0: Mutant monsters, naked power grabs in dystopian times, long rides on trains, spy masters, underseas creatures. Not the normal subject matter for our This Week in the CLE podcast. Well, except for the naked power grabs in dystopian times. <laughs> but this is not your normal This Week in the CLE podcast episode. It's a special episode that is part of our effort at Cleveland.com and The Plane Dealer. To offer people ways to enjoy the holiday season even as the coronavirus prevents traditional family gatherings so the aim of this special episode is to talk about some board games that the board game gurus on our news staff love to play when they're not bringing you the news i'm the editor chris quinn not one of the board game gurus <laughs> here with annie Nikoloff and emily Banforth, and here in spirit is colin toke who i believe I feel certain Emily and Annie will mention a few times mm-hmm. he's as serious a board gamer as can be. I think he's even sold you some of his games to make room <laughs> in his closets for new ones. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Annie and Emily.
2: Thanks so much. And yeah, Colin is the the um, the mentor in this situation. I feel like he's explained a lot of my favorite games for me before Colin I got is them. the board game king. He is. It's true.
0: I know. I, I have a feeling if he came on, we wouldn't be talking the same language because he's so serious about it. I mean, when I see what he posts on social, it's like, okay, you're you're way beyond me. <laughs> so so I've known about Collins Mania for board games for years. I've used some of his tips to play a few. When I asked about his putting together a guide, he said, you two should do it. He said, you're as serious board gamers as he is. Um, he did a... And, and the question I have is, how did a couple of post-millennial generation professional women get into board games? Is it something unusual or is this something big among your contemporaries?
2: Um, I would go ahead and say that it's actually Annie and I are just a couple years apart in age and we're in our mid-20s. And it's something that was very popular I found when I graduated college, people would get together and play board games and it kind of feels like a golden age of board games right now because there are so many new ones out there. There are so many that are so incredibly designed and, and complicated. And uh, so when I got out of college, I kind of fell in with a group who played a lot of board games and it, and it went from there until... One day when we went to a cabin in pre-pandemic times, there's a photo of me just sitting behind a table filled with like 60 <laughs> board games. Um, and it was the best day of my life. So yeah, but I feel like it's fairly common.
1: I agree. Annie? Like it's it's a pretty big thing in my friend group. Um, I got into it in college with a lot of my nerdy friends that lived in the dorm that I lived in. Um, I owe a lot of credit to my partner, Mike, uh, who is the biggest board gamer, except for Colin, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. that I know he is a ranked fourth or a couple of years ago, he was ranked fourth nationally in Settlers of Catan. So, you know, living with him during the pandemic and being together for close to a decade now, um, I've been exposed to a lot of board games through him, through friends. And it really has come in as a trend. Like you see board game cafes, board game bars popping up all over Cleveland, board game shops. It's, there's a real scene here.
0: Is it is it partly because of the economic circumstance? You get out of college, you don't have a lot of money. This is a fairly inexpensive way to spend an evening with with your social circle?
2: I feel like it's something that feels slightly more intimate, and there's less pressure than going to a bar Um, but you can still go out or you at least could still go out uh, before the pandemic. Uh, Annie and I met up at some board game cafes. You can go to stores where you connect over this interest and I think also it's a nice alternative. A lot of people are into video games. I'm into video games but sometimes it's just nice to see people in person and sit down and figure out a cool board game together.
1: Well, right. and I like board games for the same reason I like trivia nights and that mm-hmm. you can get together with people and have something to do instead of relying on conversation. Like it's just something <laughs> to kind of keep the pace of the night going. Because you know?
0: in conversation, you're going to get the politics and then everybody goes home mad.
1: Exactly. <laughs> All right, look,
0: look, we're we're going to talk about the specific recommendations you have on your list, many of which I'd never heard of. But before we do that, tell me, what what makes a board game work? for each of you Annie, you go first what what is it that makes the board game magic
1: Hmm. i like board games that are satisfying um i love board game artwork and that's something that i think can be overlooked a lot with board games but just the satisfaction of building something whether it's creating a word map or building a train line or something like that it just brings me so much satisfaction um you know, I'm not the most competitive person, so I'm not necessarily playing to win, but I'm just playing to enjoy the game.
2: Emily? Yeah, it's really cool to see all the pieces come together when you're playing a board game. So for me, it's an innovative way to approach co-op gaming where you're all playing together towards a goal or even just flipping the idea of a board game on its head when you're thinking Monopoly, you're directly competing against each other some of the games on this list you're competing but you're kind of competing side by side so it's a less competitive less high stress environment and you all just really get to enjoy the artwork or or the theme of the game and how clever the board game designer is in setting it up
0: well, Emily, you have a couple on here we're going to talk about that seem like they're kind of go for the jugular. <laughs> competitive. So well, we'll I do about...
2: have a competitive streak.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I read that. So, all right, before we begin, I do have one game recommendation of my own. I want to put it out there. I know we'll be talking about Bananagrams a little bit later, but my game p- kind of puts that to shame. It's called Anagrams and you can't really buy it. It's an old mm-hmm. game that really doesn't exist. You have to assemble it from sets of Scrabble tiles. There's some places on Amazon where you can get five sets of Amazon tiles for like 12 bucks. So it's not expensive. And it's a word game that includes the element of theft. And really, there is no better word game out there. It's a blast. It moves quickly. And once you play it, you'll never want to play Scrabble ever again. I've written a piece about the basic rules that you can find on our website, cleveland.com. Just search for anagrams in my name, Chris Quinn. You'll be glad you did. Okay, on to your suggestions. Given the year in politics, I feel like we have no choice but to start with Coop, in which you are a government official using manipulation, bribery, and bluffing to get absolute power in a dystopian universe. Emily, this one's on your list. Interesting to know there's somebody on the staff that's thinking this way. Why do you recommend it? (laughs)
2: I would never play this game with any members of our politics team because I bet they would do much better than I would. Uh, I put it on there because bluffing games are a real category when it comes to board games. There's Mafia, which you can play with basically no cards at all. Uh, it's, It's basically the idea of having a role and using your bluffing skills to get through it. But the way Coup works is giving you a lot more structure So you are assigned two cards. You grab them randomly from a pile and each of them have their own special action on them. There's a set of basic actions you can take, but the fun part is bluffing your way to the top. So you pretend that instead of having a simple trader, you have an assassin and you take out somebody else's card. But it's very easy for somebody to say, no, I don't think you're the assassin. And if you get caught, you lose your card. So it's it's about collecting enough money to where you can take out other people's cards, but it's also about Bluffing your way through because sometimes you get dealt a hand that will not get you anywhere. So it's a it's a lot of fun. It has led to a lot of arguments. So if your family is coming <laughs> off a tense political discussion, maybe leave coup on the shelf. But uh, it's it's a really fun way to get some energy out, and it's a very high spirited, high paced game.
0: Yeah, it looks it looks kind of brutal. Looks interesting. Okay, Annie, let's talk King of Tokyo, where the draw appears to be mutant monsters, gigantic robots, and aliens. Why is this one on your list?
1: I love King of Tokyo. It's so much fun. Um, you get to pick your monster. I always pick the cute little like bunny monster. <laughs> um, it is just so much fun. You're basically trying to take over Tokyo as a monster, but everybody's a monster. Like Everybody's the bad guy in King of Tokyo, and I think that's such an interesting dynamic. And basically, you're either trying to win to be on top of the city, or you're trying to knock the other monster out of their place. Um, It's really a dice roller game, so it's kind of luck and chance, but there's strategy involved because you can pick up health tokens, you can pick up power-ups, and there are a lot of expansions for the game, too. So it's kind of fun that even if you feel like you're done with King of Tokyo, you can just get an expansion, and then it's an entirely new game. Um, it's also pretty quick. I like games that tend to be a little bit faster. Um, I like to kind of do a game night where I have a few of those instead of one really big one with a few exceptions. Mm-hmm.
0: So how long does this take? 15, 20 minutes?
1: Yeah. So maybe 30 minutes, pretty quick.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Another one for Annie's list. Santorini is a board game in which you actually erect buildings. How does that work? And if you sometimes need the hand of God to get you through, as it says you do, it sounds like it's kind of hard. I was surprised when I saw the photo of this that you actually are building buildings.
1: I think Santorini is the most like visually and tactically satisfying game that is out there. There are these little plastic uh, components. They're like little squares and you stack them on top. There are three le- three different levels and then you cap them with a blue cap on top. So it looks kind of like a Greek city. Um, it is so pretty. I love that game just to break it out of the box and look at it. Um, and it's a two-player game. I, you know, It's kind of hard to find a good two-player game that has a lot of variation in it. But with the game, you take on the role of a different god or goddess, and each one has a different power. And so you pretty much pull a card out, and that determines what you are for the for the match. And I love that because if you pick a new god or a new goddess, or you just match two different ones together, it's an entirely different game because you have different powers on the board.
0: Or is that a, is this one of those games that adults can play with kids, or is it pretty much just an adult game?
1: You could play it with kids, maybe a little bit older. Just even I get a little bit confused um, with some of the rules, um, so it can be a little bit tricky for kids to pick up. But I think, especially a little bit older kids, could handle it.
0: Yeah, I didn't ask that about coup because, well, you know,
1: <laughs> you could. <laughs> I played coup and I am not good at it. Like I cannot oh, lie. Good,
2: No, I am. I am the worst at Coup, honestly, but it's such a fun game. And honestly, I would pick King of Tokyo over Coup, but only because I'm so bad at bluffing. Anybody (laughs) who loves bluffing would immediately pick Coup over that.
0: All right. Let's go with one of Collins. Ticket to Ride. I guess this one's been around so long it's considered a classic on his recommendation some years ago. I got it to play Christmas one year and my adult kids and their spouses ended up playing it for like an entire afternoon. I still haven't. Why is this one considered a great game? Either of you, you you both would know this one, right?
1: Oh yeah. I like Ticket to Ride. Um, It is one that I haven't played as many times. I don't own Ticket to Ride, but I want to get ticket (laughs) Ticket to Ride. And specifically I like the European edition, one of the European editions. Um, I think it's really cool because you're basically connecting different European countries and cities with train lines. And so you're trying, you pull a card and you decide like how you connect these different cities with so many trains. Um, I am not the best at Ticket to Ride. I like it though. I lose the trains every time I play because I (laughs) knock them on the floor, um, that's my one tip if you're playing Ticket to Ride is to have like a bowl or a container to put your trains in while you're playing. Um, but it is not really, again, like when we're talking about visually satisfying games, I feel like Ticket to Ride is up there for me.
0: But it's yeah, a I've... long one, right? It takes a while to play.
1: Yeah, it, it does take longer than some of the other games we have on this list. Let Maybe sorry, like half an hour to an hour.
2: Let me tell you, a friend of mine tried to start playing this game at like midnight, 1 a.m., would not advise that. Takes way too long and takes too much <laughs> concentration. But what's fun about Ticket to Ride is it does require a little bit of a runway to, to learn the rules and, and learn the strategies. But once you get it, you get it. And I think that that's the really satisfying part of board games is when that clicks into place and all the players know what they're doing and it becomes just a free for all. And it's it's one of the most satisfying feelings is when you understand a good board game.
0: Yeah, you know, when my kids played it, I mean, I remember them spending a good bit of time trying to understand the rules, and then we, you know, they were gone for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> Chris, all did right. you
1: play it or no? I
0: know, I, yeah, you know, I was busy doing, you know, the dad stuff and all, and they they got it out and started playing, that was it for the rest of the afternoon. They were mesmerized by it and had a great time. All right. Let's get back to Emily's list. Mashi Koro. You're the mayor and you've got to satisfy demands of your constituents for jobs and some reason cheese factories. Emily, with coup and now this, I'm getting the sense that you want to be in charge. What? what, what, what what is it about this one that gets that you think is good?
2: Well, the element of chance makes it very good. Uh, I think that's what I like a lot about it. There's another game on this, not on this list, but in the in the board game universe that uh, is a war game that also relies on chance. I love board games that incorporate that element because. All of a sudden, you could be planning one strategy, and then you immediately have to pivot. In this situation, you lie out tiles, and each one has a little feature on it, like a cute little illustrated bakery or a field or something. And depending on what uh, number you roll, it activates the different cards, giving you money or allowing you to do something to somebody else. My favorite is the tax department where you get to go around and take a certain number of coins from people who have a certain amount, Uh, not relevant at all during this election season. Um, But (laughs) uh, I, I think that it's a really cute game. You're working towards getting these landmarks which give you new powers, but the chance element stops it from getting too competitive. Uh, which I really appreciate because there's always a good cap on it. But this one, I think it's good for younger teenagers, older preteens, um, and it's a good introduction into the board game world.
0: That that's an interesting comment you made about how the element of chance making it less competitive. Because if it's, it sounds like what you're saying, if it's a hundred percent strategy, then it's all on you and and what you plan out is. I don't know you've got a lot invested in but if you Mm -hmm. know one throw of the dice can trash everything you've been planning it reduces some of that intensity
2: yeah especially in this game because you can invest heavily and you can have a strategy going in or someone who's played the game can have a strategy going in and it can be completely blown up and that's what's great about it is it levels the playing field a little bit Um, And then if this other board game, Cosmic Encounter, it actually picks your opponents randomly. So nobody gets accused of targeting each other. Nobody gets accused of anything. And and it removes that conflict element, uh, which I think is essential uh, in some situations.
0: Whenever families get together to play a game. That's a good good tip to know. All right, let's get to Bananagrams. Annie, if you try anagrams, you'll never go back to this. I guarantee it. <laughs> but there's a whole class of word games based on tiles. You got Scrabble and Boggle and Upwards and probably dozens of others. But you choose this one. So how do you play this one and why do you recommend this instead of any of the others that work on similar principles?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like bananagrams is just fast Scrabble. Um, you can get more rounds in. You don't have to be stuck in the same game. You can just play one round, it takes 10 minutes. Um, and I grew up on word games. They're probably my favorite category of games, probably why I'm a journalist. I don't know, um, but I love like spelling games. I love Boggle, Scrabble, all of that. When I was in fourth grade, I was a runner up for Scrabble champion at a, at a wow. competition. Um, so Bananagrams was very much up my alley. I like it cause there's, you're just trying to be fast. You're spelling words, using all the letters that you can by drawing them from a pool in the middle of the table that all the players share. And so you flip, them up, flip all your tiles over at the beginning of the game and you just start spelling words, connecting them in a similar way that you would in Scrabble, but just free form on the table. Um, I think it's so much fun. I love it.
0: <laughs> Are you working on the same grid or does everybody have their own grid?
1: So everybody has their own grid.
0: And I like that
1: because it just lets you do like you can if something's not working, you can just kind of break it apart and restart in the middle of the game. I've done that a lot um, to get those weird letters to fit in. So is
0: there a clock or is it when the letters are gone? It's over
1: when the letters are gone. So you just have to go as fast as you can.
0: Huh. Okay, that's uh that's an interesting one. Let's do another Collins recommendations, one I never heard of until I saw his list. And I'm hoping that One of you can talk about it intelligently. Deep sea adventure. You're underwater sharing space with other players in a submarine, but you're on your own trying to hoard undersea treasure.
2: I haven't played this one. (laughs) I haven't either. This was a new one to me. This is deep in the Colin library. He had it on his top five
0: list, though. So... If Colin puts it on a top five list, it must be recommended. All right. Well, I guess people have to look that one up and see if it interests them. Um, I do I do want to point out, I did ask people uh, through my texting account uh, on subtext what games they love. Uh, and far and away, the one that I heard back the most on is Catan. People were hugely enthusiastic. And it's not on your lists, which... I'm a little bit surprised by because people online were so avid when I round, when I read up on it, it did sound to me like a glorified version of Monopoly, which seems very, very tedious. Annie, you mentioned earlier, your partner was a national <laughs> champion in this thing, which I didn't know was a thing. So why isn't this one on your list? Do you not, do you not think this game is what some of the others are?
1: <laughs> He's gonna hate me for saying this because I've never played Catan. He's tried to get me to play so many times. <laughs> um, it, I tried to play one time, and I think I just sat there glassy-eyed while like everybody else was getting really excited, and I just stood up and walked away. Like I couldn't get into it. I understand why people like it. I feel like I could get into it more now that I've you know experienced more board games and understood rules of other games, um, but it is a lot of things to learn. I remember sitting there for 15 minutes while someone was explaining the rules to me and they weren't quite sticking. Um, But it is a classic. I mean, this, I feel like if you look at board gaming and modern board gaming in particular, like Settlers of Catan pretty much defines how people distribute board games, how they develop them. I feel like You know, I interview a lot of local board game creators for stories, and whenever I interview them, almost invariably, every single one, when I ask them, what is your favorite board game, they all say, Settlers of Catan. Like, it holds such a high place for the most avid board game players in Northeast Ohio. Unfortunately, it does not hold that place for me.
2: I think it's a bit difficult to get started. I also haven't played it um which is which is funny because people mention it a lot and I'm just I I blank it out in my head whenever someone mentions it I would reach for it over monopoly because I hate monopoly with every fiber of my being <laughs> <laughs> one of the worst games honestly that I've yes. played yeah it's it's the worst but uh I think that the thing with settlers of catan that might disqualify it from your Thanksgiving gathering is the fact that it does require a lot of lead up and avid board game players will argue me argue with me on that but if you are not a board game fan it requires a little bit to switch your mindset and listening to the rules can be one thing but A lot of the time you learn while you're playing. And so it's hard with longer board games to start playing them and start learning and then be halfway through and understand that you've done everything wrong (laughs) (laughs) at the beginning, uh, which happened to me in the middle of a 10 hour board game one time, but uh, I, I very badly lost that one, but it's, it's just something that requires a little bit of lead up. If you and your family really enjoy board games, Our auditory learners, very strategy-minded, this is a good one for you. But if not, we wanted to give some other options that maybe take closer to 10 to 20 minutes to learn uh, as opposed to half an hour and then half a game.
0: Okay. Well, I did want to mention it because I did hear from a lot of people that said this is the no-brainer. This is the one we all love. Mm -hmm. Okay, Emily, Sushi Go, a card game about food, about making dishes. How does it work and why do you like it? It sounds like this one moves very quickly.
2: Yes. I've played Sushi Go so many times. Annie and I have played it. It's a good starter (laughs) for any board game day. I've played it while camping. I've played it in cabins. I've played it all over the place. It is very portable. Uh, Everybody gets dealt a set of cards. And this is great because if you've played just basic uh, card games with a deck of cards, you're familiar with the past the pick and pass method. So you pick a card and then you pass a card over. And it basically requires you to match together these little cute uh, sushi pieces. And based on what you organize them into, you get multipliers on them. So you have to collect three of one or you get plus two for one of a type and plus four if you have two of the same type. And all of it's kind of written on the card. So you don't really have to worry about it all that much. Uh, You also collect little puddings uh, that count uh, and go through each of the rounds. And each time it gets a little bit faster because people are learning, they're understanding which things they're trying to build and and where they need to improve. Uh, It's a new, it's kind of a new take each time you do a round, but each game is three rounds. So you collect points over the three rounds, but you start off each one with a new hand. So if it's, it's very quick, uh, it's very variable. People get to yell Sushi Go, which is always fun if you remember to do it. <laughs> uh, and also the design is just adorable. It's, it's a really cute game. You know, I so got,
1: go I got ahead. Sushi Go as a gift um, and it was pretty much my intro to board gaming on a personal level. That was the first game that I really found I just loved. I love Sushi. I love Sushi Go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So I, you, you think back to the person that invented Monopoly and you can see it, right? It's based on Atlantic City. You get a bunch of streets, you buy properties. It, it's out of it's out of real life. The, the, the people who invented Parcheesi, you know, you roll dice, you go around the board, you know, eventually you get a pop dice thing. Who comes up with Sushi Go? I mean, <laughs> that, that seems like a it's pretty far out there in terms of imagination.
2: I don't know. It kind of, I don't know the full background of this, but sushi has gotten really popular uh, in Western culture in recent years. And on top of that, Japanese culture in general. If you look at King of Tokyo, that's another uh, Japanese style uh, board game. And so I think some of that influence is coming over in some of these board games. But I think I would have to look at the actual background of Sushi Go. Uh, but honestly, as soon as I saw it, I I knew it made sense because it was just seeing the little sushi pieces stack up is so satisfying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to I hesitate to do this because in case you didn't play it, but it's one more from Collins List. code names. It's another word game with, with spy masters and spy networks. He's been recommending this one for a lot of years. Uh, have either of you played that one?
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So what do you think about that? Good game?
1: Code Did Games they, is yeah. the party game that I recommend to everybody over games like Cards Against Humanity. I think it is so much more fun. It is, you, you get to be on two teams and you're basically trying to flip over the cards on a secret card that your team leader sees, but you don't. And he can your, your team leader can only share so many words to kind of tell you which cards to flip over, but you can't, can't flip over the, the assassin. And it's just so much fun. It gets to be a really funny game. I, I never thought that it would be funny before playing it, but it's very funny. Um, just everybody's getting angry and like shouting, and it's, it's just <laughs> such a fun game.
2: Yeah, it's got a very uh, low entry level, and honestly, it's it's that base like charades kind of deal where you're you're working together as a team i love this game i forget how to play it every single time that i play (laughs) it it's one of those there are some games where you could explain the rules like 20 times to me and i still don't remember them but i really like code names i prefer scattergories but i really like code uh, code names
0: we're going to be talking about categories in a minute. The the you know Colin recommended another game to us. We're not going to be talking about Ultimate Werewolf, Werewolf something or other. And it and it we played it one time and we had the kind of joyous fun that Annie was describing with code names. We'll have to try code names. Annie, one another one on your list is called Skull, and it looks like from what I can tell, this very much is in the style of you like the look of the game. There's a lot of cool design going on here.
1: It definitely is. It's it's a beautiful game. I actually that was the most recent game that I played. I played that on Halloween night uh, with a small group: my sister, her partner, and then my partner. We all played a four person game of Skull, and it's also a game that I don't think you don't necessarily need to buy it. You could actually make your own version of Skull at home if you understand the mechanics of it. Basically, each player has four tiles, and three of them are flowers. One of them is a skull. You're playing them. You're trying to flip over other people's tiles, but you can't get the skull or else you die that round. So it's a bluffing game, uh, but I feel like it's a really accessible bluffing game. It's not like you don't have to be a super good liar to, to have fun with skull, <laughs> which is why I like it. I am not good at lying in board games, um, but I am really good at skull. So I think that's why it's top of my list. Yeah. Wow. It's-
2: Skull is actually it, it's on Annie's list, but when I saw it on her list, I was like, I wish I could just second that because I take Skull everywhere because it's it's something you can play really easily, and if you play with people uh, who who are really fun, sometimes they play hands blind, sometimes they're outrageous and just want to play with chance. It's it's a really fun way to get everybody uh involved on the game and a lot of people can play it. So
0: wow. Sounds like Skull is highly recommended then. That's a that's a one of the winners. Let's go with a couple of seeming standbys. Scattergories from Emerly's list and score four from Annie's. I've played both of these. I think many, many people have. They're fun, no doubt. But I'm curious about why they make the list. Why Scattergories instead of Trivial Pursuit or Pictionary or Taboo? So why that? And then for Annie, score four, but not Jenga. I mean, it's. I'm just trying to understand. We, there's there's a lot of standby games that have stood the test of time that are that are very popular. You both pick these two. What is it about these two that makes them stand up?
2: For Scattergories, I think it's because it evolves with each person you play it with, and it evolves over time. So you get new references as time goes on. You, uh, If you're playing with different people, they're going to be super creative. You can put new rules in place. Uh, for those who haven't played Scattergories, basically you get a list, and then everybody picks a card, uh, which is the same card of different categories, and you roll a dice to get a letter. And then you have to list things that come with that letter, and it's just really fun to see what people come up with. So especially- give me an
0: example, like like what what would I have to do? What so what's the list? What what what, what is my goal there?
2: So if you uh, have a list and say you have the letter D, and then you have uh, soft drink things you'd find in your living room, uh, birds. And so the categories are really random, and this is not an approximation of an actual list, but then you would say Dr. Pepper, uh, dice, uh, because you're staring at the table and you saw a die, and um, duck. And so you've, you've got all the same things, but the key is to come up with original things, because if somebody else has your same item, it gets crossed off the list. So duck, probably other people would get that for birds. Dove, maybe not as much. So it, it really rewards creativity. And I think that that's really helpful in in guiding the game.
0: Huh. Okay. And score four.
1: So I wanted to
2: include like at
1: least one pretty classic game on the list. Um, I think Emily thought the same with Scattergories, uh, just kind of not having all these new age ones. And score four, I actually, I was at the thrift store at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe shortly before, and I found score four at my local thrift store and I bought it for $2. And I don't know why, but I have been playing it more than almost any other game. It's really fast. Um, It's like complicated connect four. So you you have to connect four beads, but you can do it up, down, sideways, diagonally, across diagonally. And it's really hard. Like, I play this with my partner all the time, and we're tied on who wins and loses, which is unusual because he normally wins every game we play. (laughs) (laughs) This is one where I kind of stand a chance. Um, And it's quick. I like that it's a two-player game that, you know, maybe we have 10 minutes to kill. We can break out score four, play around, put it away, and be done. Um, I just think When you have other two-player games, sometimes they're too easy to figure out. You know, Checkers is pretty easy to win once you figure out the game. Um, Connect Four is obviously pretty easy to win once you figure it out or tic-tac-toe, but Score Four kind of adds this extra layer of difficulty that I think lends itself well to repeat playing.
0: And it basically it's 16 posts that you drop little beads with holes on them in two different colors, and you're trying to line up four beads in any of those dimensions you mentioned. Right okay let's go with another one from subtext cards for humanity I'm pretty sure both of you have played played this a lot of people swear by it somebody sent a note saying they thought I would love it I've never played it I know about it it's not on your list but do you recommend it
2: sure it would have to be with a group of people you like uh, but, and no that's that's where I kind of stand on it because I've played cards against humanity which basically you put an a, a prompt in the middle of a circle and you have a hand of cards with nouns or funny sayings or whatever on them, and you have to match it and somebody judges who made the best one. I think for people, in in groups that you don't know which may not be the case for thanksgiving so or or shouldn't be the case for thanksgiving so maybe this is a great pick for sitting around with your family it's not exactly family friendly (laughs) so i would go ahead and say if you have older kids and you're comfortable with that go ahead uh not kids but teenagers uh, and older teenagers, but definitely don't break this out for the kids' table. That's that's not a good idea <laughs> like, Cards
1: against humanity is fun. I get it. It's kind of raunchy, kind of inappropriate, you know, getting into that whole realm of things. But it's funny. And if like Emily said, if you're at the right group, it's a lot of fun. I would recommend. The much more family friendly, but equally funny game, Apples to Apples. Mm-hmm. That it's just it can be just as funny without all the raunchy answers, um, and it's kid friendly. So I think that's the better one to break out for Thanksgiving. Ah,
0: right, good. I, that, that's that's a good one. Go ahead, Emily. I,
2: there's also one which I think one of our reporters, when we did a, a a wide net on board game recommendations, recommended. But it's called What Do You Meme? And you match a caption to a meme that shows up. So if you're in a family that loves sending each other memes via text message, that might be a good one for you.
0: Okay. All right. One more, Emily. It's yours. Wingspan. It's about birds. I've got a bird thing going here. Why do you like that one?
2: I love this game so much. Uh, I got it for my birthday this year after it was back ordered for a really long time. And about 20 people send me sent me pieces about it it's a game where you are collecting birds and please don't skip this part because you think that's weird uh (laughs) basically it it was made and and consulted with an ornithologist uh, and you get to see all these different birds and you get to collect them and each bird has a fun fact on the card a beautiful illustration and then some of them have special little powers uh, what you're essentially doing is trying to meet goals each round. This is a little bit more complicated. So do this if you have a group of people who either a love le- learning board games or b have played a lot of board games, but you use eggs and food and all this other stuff to accomplish goals like three birds who nest on the ground or two birds who live in the water and it sets both short and long-term goals for each round. So you've got a lot to keep track of, but that also means there are a lot of ways to win. And this is another one that I really like because you're each working with an individual board and you're also not stealing anybody's bird because if someone stole my bird in Wingspan, I would get very upset. (laughs) But it's, it's just really nice. And there's always three birds flipped up in the middle. So you get to see... Uh, different birds and it's so non-competitive sometimes that people just start showing each other their birds because they're really cool Uh, i i like it a lot um i'm also a bit of a a nerd when it comes to birds but uh, it's a really pretty game you'll want to order pictures from it if you like nature and i just find it so soothing all
0: right so what number one go ahead
1: go ahead (laughs) I also love Wingspan. When Emily (laughs) said earlier that she wanted to add Skull to her list, Wingspan was one that I wanted to add to my list too. And um, it's made by the same people who make the game Scythe, which Mm -hmm. Emily and I have played together. And Scythe is the most absolute intense board game I've Mm -hmm. ever played. It takes so long. It's very fun, very satisfying. But if you're talking about an easy to play game, Scythe is not it. Wingspan is like... The way better, like in my opinion, the way <laughs> easier to learn. And I think it's prettier than size. So I like that too. Um, but yeah, I love Wingspan too. All
0: right. So if you had to pick the number one game you would recommend people to do, I like, can just get one game. Which one would it be?
2: Oh, that's hard. Um, I would go with probably skull followed by Machikoro. All
0: right. Annie?
2: was also gonna say skull
0: (laughs) wow all right well that that, that's pretty good that's Ah. pretty much saying skull is the way to go all right look before we wrap up one of the other guides we're putting together is about card games one of my colleagues mark varsberg and i actually invented a card game 25 years ago (laughs) called crooks it steals from cribbage by adding a big element of theft it's a lot of fun i got a story up on cleveland.com about it search for crooks in my name and you'll find it but what I'm curious about is you're talking a lot here about board games. Do regular card games have any appeal to you? Hearts, Oh Hell, Pinochle, Euchre, or is that just not something that's in your atmosphere?
2: I First of all, I didn't know you guys invented a card game. I'm going to have to go play that this <laughs> evening, probably. <You're> it- <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... uh I have played card games. I play them with my family. I played them in college, but I think because I have a reservoir of board games, I play them more just because I'm trying to get the value out of them. I do like basic card games, though. I play a lot of Whist with my family. I just learned how to play hearts, and it's a really easy thing to play online, Uh, which I I like, especially when you're far away from people. Um, So I I think there's definitely a place for it. And I think the cool thing would be is if uh, a younger member of the family brought a a cool board game and then an older member of the family maybe taught the young folks uh, their favorite card game.
0: Wow, so really cards are for old people. (laughs) I'm very much wounded. What about you, Annie? Is there any interest in card games whatsoever, or is it all board games?
1: Um. So I, in high school, we actually, at our lunch table, uh, would always play Slap. I don't know if you, or Slapjack. Have you guys played oh, that Oh, yes,
2: I did play Slapjack.
1: I like that game. It's very easy. Um. I also like to build card pyramids, like card <laughs> towers if that counts, but that's about as much as all.
0: Okay, as all well. <laughs> thanks, Emily. Thanks, Annie. And thanks to Colin at Absentia. We'll have a story on our site. com, as a companion to this podcast with links to the games, capsules about them that, that might pick your interest. We hope playing them with your families will bring you some joy over the holidays this year. You've been listening to This Week in the CLE.